brought to you by DKP and Co Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Streaming football 24-7. You're listening to FNR, Football Nation Radio. And this is the Football Bosses Show. Tony Pignata uh, on one end, uh, George Danikian on the other, and I'm standing in for uh, Michael Zapponi, who normally does this program with Tony. What's it like uh, with uh, a shifting partnership going on? <laughs> can you right. cope? Yeah, I can cope. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Zappa and I have been doing it uh, since day one, and... Um, yeah, we've got, got George and you, you know the game just as well as we all do. No, no, listen, all I want to do is make sure that we cover enough of the topics that we want to talk about. And we've got a couple of real characters. Uh, one is the championship winning coach, the man who's been very much in the news. I want to know if I Potential should ask... Potential Socceroo coach? Should I ask the, you know, the yeah, elephant in the room? Why not? I, okay, all right. Well, we'll ask him. We'll get him on and we'll talk to him. I'm, we're talking about Graham Arnold. And another thing that's very much in the news and, and continues continuing to make waves is transfers. Yeah, we've seen some humongous transfers going on in Europe, uh, whether it's the La Liga, whether it's Serie A or whether it's the EPL. Uh, and of course, it's the January transfer window. And already we've seen uh, an array of different changes in the A-League. Uh, why only the other day we saw a young man leave a club and by the next day he joined another club. And we'll talk about those with a guy called Lou Sticker, who not only knows the game, but has been around for an awful long time. We might even be able to take him back to that time when he was a very big part of the Carlton Football Club, when their very first season they made the grand final. Their coach was the uh, the great Eddie Krenchevich. And they had a couple of young boys who you may have heard of, Tony. Grella. Uh, Grella. Um, uh, Bresciano. Bresciano. And there's got to be Colossimo a couple of others. Well. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is the young Simon Colosimo before he did his knee. Mm. Remember when he... He ran into a young man playing Cole? for Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I, I remember that game. And that young man, Simon Colosimo, was going places. And he had an enormous amount of talent. But after that injury, he was never quite the same again. I think, is that fair? Yeah, look, he still reached um, some good heights. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's still playing at the moment. He's 39. He's still playing in the National Premier League. He can't let he it can't go. He, he's working for the PFA, the Professional Football yeah. Association. And he still is playing because he... What is it in the EP, NPL? NPL, yeah. He won't let it go. No, but I, uh, I want to really um, speak to Lou about these transfers. Um, you know whether they should be introduced in the A League. I know there is an issue. Uh, Can we talk about loans as well? Yeah, definitely. But I know there's an issue from the PFA to to approve this as part of the collective bargaining agreement. But uh, I want to get the agent extraordinary, Mr. Lou Sticker. Um, you know his views on on it as well, and uh, he'll give us some good insights, I'm sure. All right. First up, though, it'll be Graham Arnold. Looking forward to that. Joining us on the Football Bosses show is uh, Graham Arnold, the, uh, I suppose, the ultimate football boss uh, or the, uh, the coach of the running champions, Sydney FC. How are you, mate? Good, George. How are you, mate? Good. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, Sydney FC, uh, not only looking like it will surpass what it achieved last season, but, and that, we've got to say, it certainly beats losing, uh, but what sort of pressure actually comes with having to maintain the sort of expectations that you and the players have set up and, and the team is, I suppose, creating? Yeah, look, I suppose the expectations are always high. 
Um, but the most important thing is that um, you know, the players believe in what we're doing and, and the players, you know, maintain their own standards. You know, we drive them hard every day at training and, <clears throat> and, and in the games that, uh, you know, you get one crack at it. And, uh, you know, we've got a great team and we've got a great environment that the players are in. We, at the start of the year, the players come up with a team identity, and uh, one of that is, uh, is maintaining high standards. So, uh, once they tell you that, and uh, their attitude is right, which we have a, a, you know, a group of boys with a great attitude, then you know, it's, it's quite easy. Graham, um, thanks for, uh, for for coming on. Um, did did Adelaide win yesterday? The way they celebrated after the game, I was quite surprised that. Uh, you know, they, uh, they only managed to take a point. So it goes to show you what teams are, uh, are aiming for when they uh, play against Sydney FC. Yeah, look, I think, uh, you know, Tony, we've, especially this season, it's, um, every game you play, it's like a grand final for the opposition. And, uh, you know, the, the mental uh, attitude is, you know, they, they come out. Yesterday I felt that, you know, we dominated the whole game. We could have probably played for another three hours and we and we probably still wouldn't have scored it was one of those games that <clears throat> they get their toe in at the last minute and you know they were blocking everything and uh, they had a very hungry young group of players that were uh, that did uh, Adelaide proud but uh, were, you know, were you know, playing the game of their lives and it's, it's pretty much like that every week but um, you know we've got a, a great mentality in the group and uh, we've got a great winning mentality and, and the boys uh, you know Sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't, but uh, most of the time, most of the times it does. Any uh, leadership or being a, a football boss is all about getting men to follow you. Um, two seasons ago, the team. Uh, I think, uh, generally speaking, we could say underperformed and it looked like it uh, had, had got to you a little bit at the time. Uh, what did you do in the off-season to actually get things to start turning around? Yeah, look, I've always, <clears throat> George, I've always been someone that uh, takes, a, takes a responsibility on my own shoulders. Um, I, I wasn't liking the person I was. Um, I was pretty much coaching as an actor. Um, and went away with my wife and, and uh, well, we went away to Bali for a few weeks and I just said to her, this may be my last year in coaching. It may be, uh, you know, the last six months in coaching. Uh, with Sydney FC and, and that, but I, I, I'd rather people uh, see the real me and, and not one that's uh, just in front of the camera and acting. And, and uh, so I just wanted to show my real values and my real uh, character. And, and uh, I think people who know me away from football know that I'm a, I'm a good human being, I'm a decent bloke and can have a laugh and a, a joke with me. And I just wanted to show that as well. And. Uh, you know, a lot of the recruitment that we did was around getting good people in, and uh, we got a, a psychologist in, uh, does emotional intelligence work, and did a lot of work with the players. I, I got myself a mentor, and uh, I just felt that uh, you know, coaching is a lonely job, it's a hard job. You know, it's, it's you know, you, you know when, when things aren't going well, everyone seems to want to cover, uh, and you, you need to rely on the good people around you at the time. and. And uh, we, we had that at Sydney and, and we all came through uh, with a, a fantastic season last year and, and we're continuing this season. Yeah, Graham, um, 
you know, I know we, we, we spoke about it a lot um, when I was there last season compared to uh, the season before. And um, and I've said it publicly as well that, uh, you know, the difference in you last season contributed a lot, I think, to the um, uh, the players and the feeling around the club. Um and uh, and the way everyone sort of worked together and that resulted in what you know the season that we had last year and and, and you guys are continuing on uh, with that this uh, this season albeit um you know you still sort of got 12 rounds to go but uh you know the next uh next few weeks you know with uh, champions league um starting um is all the plans in in place for that and um how you combat that uh the travel factor and you know playing weekend midweek and then backing up the uh, following week i know that um you know from yeah. two seasons ago that uh, that was quite uh, quite tough yeah look the time look you've been in it you know it, it's uh, you know we our a league season suffered because of the champions league and you know, we got the last 16 of the champions league but uh but, you know our a league suffered from it I, I do believe that you know with what the draw that ffa have put forward this year really help it's going to contribute and help a lot where they split round so we'll have two weekends off while uh, we have a, a double um, date in, um, in the Champions League so I do believe the draw is much more friendly um, I've got a, a really hard decision that I have to make in the next couple of weeks around the foreigners we've got four fantastic foreigners at Sydney and obviously I, I can only take three into the Champions League so that'll be tough but other than that the plans are all in place. We've uh, employed a, another assistant coach in Phil Moss to focus more on the Champions League uh, to help more than what we than what we previously have had. Where you know we had Ronnie Smith who was just part time, but this time we've had someone there from day one, and you helped uh, do that before you left home. So mm. at the end of the day, we, we we feel that we're we're better equipped for it this time, and and the players are more ready. Uh, we're talking uh, with Arnold, uh, Graham Arnold. It's the Football Bosses Show. George Danikian, along with Tony Pinata. Uh, you know, you mentioned the European, the uh, Asian matches coming up, and it's all important. And you've got uh, questions, of course, with who you're going to choose. Now, that that adds another layer of, of, of questions for me in terms of trying to keep morale at a certain level. And you know, then you've got to, uh, I suppose, work hard at maintaining a really high standard week in, week out. How do you do that? What have you done that's different from the, the, the years before to actually achieve that standard of performance week in, week out? Yeah, look, I do. For me, George, it's uh, managed the same for all the time I've been in coaching. It's about communication. It's about management. And, you know, it's it's a tough decision, but uh, it's one that I won't, you know... Shirk from. Rely, well, yeah, I won't rely on the CEO to go and tell the player, <laughs> oh, he's not in the Champions League or, you know, it's, it's, or someone else or the assistant coach. It's, it's, it's my job to do that and my job to sit down and explain the situation to him and you know and explain to him that I don't make the rules you know the Asian Football Confederation makes those rules and <clears throat> unfortunately this is what I have to do and but the club will be there to support that player all the way through and how valuable he'll be for the A-League season the rest of the A-League season and, and his focus will be just on that but uh, you know I've always you know I think a lot of coaching and a lot of management is all about it's all crisis management, you know. It's, whether it's whether it's tactics, whether it's whether it's uh, media a media crisis or a player crisis, or you know, it's always 
something that you've got to confront confront very early, otherwise it festers and gets bigger and bigger. So you've got to nip it in the bud straight away. And as I said at the start, it's it's all about communication. And uh, you know, I've always been a big communicator. I don't, I don't shirk behind that. And you know, if you've got to make decisions, you've got to make them. And as long as as long as you explain those decisions to players, I think they walk they, they at least walk away understanding why it's happened rather than just not saying anything to them. Graeme, um, a couple of weeks ago you mentioned um, that this wasn't a development league, the A-League. Um, saying that, I mean, over the years you've developed a lot of players who've gone on to, to play overseas, you know, and even at Sydney in, in, in our time there, you, you know, Alex Gersback, who's now playing Norway, even Georgie Blackwood, who's doing well, um, you know, went, went to Adelaide and playing for the under-23s. I, I have to agree. I mean, as a club... And as playing in the A League, it's it, it is about winning trophies, and um, yep. and I think uh, I think your comments were, were spot on. I mean, the infrastructure the clubs have got now with the uh, youth set up, the academies, etc. That's where you develop the players. But to come to the first team, um, it's yep. all about picking points up uh, week in week out. Uh, Arnie, can I ask you? Uh, there is an awful lot of talk about uh, how many players are coming off contracts. Uh, you've declared, though, that you don't expect that you're going to lose too many of your squad. So how do you think you will actually uh, manage that with all the, the talk that's going on at the moment? I regularly sit with the players and uh, um, talk to them around the media side of things. That media, unfortunately, media these days, uh, everything around what they say is hypothetical. And, and social media is negative. So <laughs> that's true. George. Yeah, it's true. I, I'm not arguing. I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, agreeing with you. You know, the media, a lot of it's hypothetical. You know, like, Tony knows better than anyone when you sit there. When you come to Sydney and see, you get everything you want. All you, all you need is a good attitude, the right attitude. is. And, and in a salary cap system, you know, it's uh, the, the difference between what you can earn uh, in, I'd say to Sydney or, or Melbourne, normally the difference is twenty thousand dollars, maybe thirty thousand dollars, and sometimes the player leaves because he wants to play. So, you know, with a salary cap, it's not easy. But the players that you want to keep, it's, it's it is quite easy because we we at Sydney provide everything from, you know, they, the sponsors obviously with the gear, but we have a chef that comes in. They, they get breakfast, they get lunch every day. We have a video analysis team. They, they and you know they don't have to worry about a thing except when it just they've got to leave their ego over the other side of the bridge when they turn <laughs> into the car park and and they have to perform and you know so when you're in a successful environment a good environment then you know it's it's quite easy to keep players the hardest thing for me is to get rid of players that that I don't want to keep anymore and and because first and foremost I treat everyone like a good human being or a good uh, human being and it's it's always a hard decision like last year was one of the hardest things I had to sit down and tell Filippo Losco to release him when he'd done it had a decent season with us and, and his wife and children love living in Sydney that much that they were talking about wanting to live in, in Australia forever and I had to release him and that ruined that whole plan and I had to go back to Slovakia so you know, it's, it's, it's not easy, but again, it's, um, it's something you have to do. And, and you know, it's, it's, as I said, if you create high standards and you remove excuses, then, and you give the players everything they need, well then, it's up to them to perform. If they don't perform, that's a key indicator of what money they get paid and whether they belong. And if they don't, well then, you move them on. 
yeah, you find um, Graham you're spot on. I mean, what what they get there at uh, at Sydney, um, and and the way the team is, and the bonding of all the players. And I mean, I haven't been there um, this season, but I, I assume it's uh, continuing on from from last yeah. season. And uh, you know, from from George the chef who cooks those uh, great lunches all the time, and um, just the banter in the, in 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 the whole um, whole club at the moment, um, and and that winning feeling. I think uh, you'll find yeah. it quite easy to keep a lot of those players. Can we address the elephant in the room? There's been an awful lot of talk about uh, a guy called uh, uh, Graham Arnold and the coaching job for the Socceroos. Uh, plenty of speculation about you. How do you address that with the players? Come on, they hear what's going on. They read what's going on. Uh, how do you do that? Probably three weeks ago, before we played Newcastle, it affected the players, but I... Again, it's all hypotheticals the media comes up with. Uh, I've had no formal discussions with Football Australia. And, you know, I can sit in front of the media and I say that, and I'm honest, and I tell the truth always that, you know, it's, until I hear anything, I, there's, nothing to, there's nothing to say. So it's exactly the same. I sit in front of the players and I, and I said, I'm no different to you guys when they write things. It's, you know, it's what they write. And, but I'll tell you that, that Georgia, mate, I've got 20 players I love like my children. And I treat them like they're, they're my they're my children, and and again I, I say to them that they, they'll be the first ones to know if if I do and when I do decide to leave the club, um, they would be the first ones to know because I wouldn't let I would never let them find out just through the media or through an email or, or a text message. I, I'm always the person who wants to sit down and explain the situation, and you know we've had players at Sydney that have you know. Further their careers and, and gone on to, as Tony said, uh, you know, gone on to other clubs. And you know, it's, it's, I feel proud when they do that, you know, because uh, <clears throat> it shows their progress as players and, and they've stepped up to another level and they've gone away to make their life and, and, and that much better. But to me, it's, as I said, George, it's, it's all about communication and I communicate those messages to the players. So, you know, they go out in the field, they know that uh, I'm telling them the truth, they trust me, I trust them, and that's the way we work together. Graham, putting, you know, the, the, the Socceroos and the link to you, um, do you find it funny that, you know, we, we've Socceroos got a game coming up against Norway in a, in a couple of months and we still haven't announced or, you know, a, a coach, a head coach, and we, with the World Cup uh, in five months' time? At the time, it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't run, I don't run FFA, and, and it's their choice of how they want to run the process. And uh, I just you know, think they, it's they so so strange that um, you know Ange left in November, and we're here in uh, you know mid mid Jan, and there's still nothing. It's uh, yeah, but at the same time, I, at the same time, I think that you know, a lot of people cry out for the you know to make sure that they go through the right channels and they do the right process and. Include the likes of Schwartz, uh, Bresciano, and Lazaridis. People have been called out for a long time, so I gather they believe that they're doing it the right way. So, what sort of coach do the Socceroos need, uh, Graham? One that expects to win the World Cup. One that is that one that, ex- go, that goes to the World Cup expecting to win games and uh, and to perform to the best of the ability of the players, whether whoever that may be. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, something I want to touch on. Um, we cannot leave this particular discussion and, and not touch on uh, two of the jewels that are 
part of your football club. One is a guy called Ninkovic, who's done awfully well the last couple of years, and a guy called Mierzewski, uh, the young Polish boy. Uh, I, I've got to say, you're global scouting, my friend. Uh, there are big questions mark, uh, quick, big questions mark uh, around uh, uh, Melbourne City at the moment. They're saying, why aren't they? Why isn't their scouting as, as thorough as yours? What are you doing that's uh, and getting it right? That's, uh, for me, it's, you know, you have four main elements in the football side of it, and it probably goes across every trade. It's technical, technical side of it, tactical, physical, and mental. And we try to tick every box. So when it comes to recruitment, that's the technical side of things. And a lot of it is, uh, you know, a video analysis team uh, that, that does a hell of a lot. You know, it does 18-page documents on, on each player of uh, recruitment. Uh, we, we, we go big into character references. So, you know, really the football world is small. Someone knows someone all around the world. So when we started looking at Adrian, for example, Mark Yanko played with him at Tradsonsport. So we could get in touch with Mark Yanko and, and find out what type of guy Adrian was, if he's a team player or an individual, because we, we want the right characters and the right people in our club. And uh, so, therefore, then you, you just, you know, then it's a, a conversation. You know, the agents work for work for us. And, uh, you know, we had a, a, a great agent, Dragon Gertic, unfortunately died. He delivered some fantastic players out of Serbia uh, to us, and Nikola Pekovic and Milos uh, Nikovic, Dimitrovic, that uh, were, you know, players of years for the club, uh, for Sydney FC, and, and, and come out now and... Uh, Minkovic was played here in Australia last year. So if you have the right agents who, who have, you know, know what you want, then they can deliver what you need. And, and it's about getting the right people. And uh, the character references are, are very important for us. And just before we let you go, I've got, I cannot go without asking about the whiteboard, mate. It's, it's made a huge impact. Uh, some of the scores whiteboard. that you've been put, yeah, the whiteboard that oh. you've been putting up and the scoreboard. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Mate, when you believe so much in, when you have so much, when you have so much belief in something, it's uh, it's it's weird. It's weird you can start predicting. And uh, you know, I, uh, I even felt yesterday's result. And it's weird. I just came over to my wife and just got the plane. I just said I, I knew that was going to happen yesterday. And get that feel through the week. It's hard to stop it, but uh, you get that feel. And it was, you know, we had a few away games and. I could see the players' faces at training during the week. They were a little bit, a little bit tired, a little bit down. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's funny, but uh, I don't think my team has ever performed after really well after a game in Brisbane in the heat. It, it really saps the life out of them, and, and I just felt that you know yesterday was going to be like that. But uh, yeah, it's just it's weird that uh, when you trust something and, and believe in something so strong. You know, you can see the players' eyes and faces when they're not, and then you can feel those type of things. I won't ask you for a prediction then against Central Coast, <laughs> but I um, want to wish you all the best, um, Graham, uh, this week and for the uh, rest of the season in the Champions League. And um, yeah, good luck in the, uh, in the in the treble uh, pursuit. Thank you, Tony. It's been a joy talking to you both, and uh, happy New Year. And catch up soon. Uh, all the very best uh, football bosses show talking to the one the only Graham Arnold on FNR.
Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. This is the Football Bosses Show. George Tanikian along with Tony Pinata. And if you're wondering why I'm here, I'm standing in for the very hard-working Michael Zapponi. Uh, joining us on the Football Bosses, uh, renowned player agent, guy who, I suppose, formed the, the Tribal Sports Group and uh, has been doing a fantastic job over the last three or four years with another initiative called Money in Sport. So he certainly knows the game and also certainly knows the, the business of uh, player transfers. Uh, I'm talking about the one, the only... Lou Sticker. Lou, good afternoon. G'day, George. How are you? Not too bad at all. Now, um, we, we want to talk about uh, players signing on and uh, deciding that their career is going to be with one club. Uh, we've been watching overseas some interesting manoeuvres, especially with a guy called Philippe Coutinho, who uh, really wanted to always go to Barcelona, but he was kept at Liverpool for a little while. Now, there are some interesting uh, young players starting to make uh, inroads in the A-League. Um, what are the hardest things that you have to cope with as a player agent? And... Uh, just how difficult is it dealing with uh, not only players, but the clubs as well? Oh, it's a curly one. Um, Come on, you've done it before. You know what we're talking about. OK, look, I think in, in principle the players are not as hard as perhaps uh, what they're made out to be. Um, uh, good young players just want to play football. Um, and so um, it's a pretty simplistic Position. They want to train. They want to improve. They want to. Uh, they're hungry uh, to learn. Um, but you can see it when some of these young boys that have been getting on the park in the last couple of months in the A League. Some of these newfound uh, players, uh, young boys at Melbourne City, for instance, uh, Atkinson and Azani. You can see it. They just want to play football. They're just so eager to show their wares. Um, and so the players themselves. Uh, probably a very easy uh, component in 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 the whole scheme of things. Um, if you look at the clubs, for instance, I, I think also the clubs themselves uh, can be pretty. It's a pretty smooth ride for them as well. Where you have issues is then where you've got talent that uh, perhaps is bottlenecking in the youth league, um, and for some reason or another can't break into the into the A-League senior team, that's where things start to get a little bit uh, anxious and uh, um, player, um, uh, players are then influenced by parents, uh, by friends, uh, and of course uh, they seek advice from agents. And so that, that's where you start, the things start to get a little bit more uh, um, interesting. Uh, interesting or toxic. I can remember it when I was... Uh uh, president of South Melbourne many years ago in the uh, then N NPL or the NSL, uh, not the NSL, it was the, uh, I think it was the VPL, the Victorian Premier League and uh, one of the challenges for me and I remember saying it to my coach at the time Johnny Anastasiadis, I said to him I, I'm only going to do one thing, I'm going to protect you from all those parents I'm going to keep all those fathers and mothers away from you and let you actually coach do, is there still an awful lot of interference from that oh, sort of part of the family? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, my, my personal experience is, is that um, the young uh, boys and young girls now that are breaking into, uh, you know, that, that are climbing the ladder of success and 
uh, getting more exposed to uh, representative teams, national teams. Um, the, the, the parents uh, can be a real problem. <laughs> uh, I think that the intention of the parents is always to protect their kids and to want the best for the kids, but it seems that... Um, uh, and, and look, I've been a, a father with uh, three boys playing football, and when your sons or daughters are out on the park, you do see them in a in a different light. You know, you you you're, you know you just uh, can't help but uh, think that um, they are great. Uh, they're our offspring, of course, and, and it's only a natural thing. But the problem, where the issue becomes critical, is where parents start to interfere with the natural progress of things and expect that uh, because they're John they're Johnny or or Sally whoever it may be is uh, doing really well and in their eyes uh, should be getting more game time uh, they start to become restless uh, the discussion starts to create frustration uh, with the player uh, the parents uh, the club the, the the coach it starts to to use your word, starts to become a bit toxic. But I think in general, in general, um, if all parties uh, see that a particular player does have talent, um, that the system that they put in place uh, caters for talented players to push forward and put their best foots forward and and to catch the eye of the senior coach, and then we've got a senior coach that uh, perhaps has really uh, simple... Um, uh, attributes meaning if you know if, if a player is caught irrespective of their age, it deserves to play, and that's the way it should be. I don't think any coach of any team anywhere in the world is going to put a limit on whether a player should or shouldn't play depending on age, uh, and nor should they. Uh, the reality is, if they're good enough, irrespective of whether you're 17 or 27, uh, you should play. Where the issue starts to become toxic is where the parents start to put a little bit of pressure on the players and start to demand that uh, well you know my Johnny should be playing I mean he came on last week and 10 minutes and he turned the game and um, you know, that automatically in their minds think uh, creates a situation where they expect that just because he had a good 10-15 minutes perhaps he deserves to start the following week now you know some coaches will say I'm not going to burn a young player out by putting him in uh, for 90 minutes. So I'm going to ease him into the mix. Everyone has their own opinion. I've been part of clubs where, um, even going back 20 years ago, the clubs I, I was involved with then, uh, Carlton Soccer Club, for instance. Yeah, yeah. we we um, our head coach at the time, Eddie Krinchevich, elevated three young boys. Simon Colosimo, Mark Bresciano, and Vince Grella. Gee. And they were all in their 18s all at the same time. So Could play. The of, well, they could play, but uh, <laughs> well, they can only play if you can see them. And so in this instance, those, those three boys um, were given the opportunity and they took it with both hands. Now, sometimes some players become overawed. Some players physically need time to, to, to muscle up, to grow into it. I mean, we see it with AFL where 
where clubs go through rebuilding processes. Take my club, Carlton Football Club. I mean, they they uh, have been blooding players for the last couple of years, and you can see that, that when they're playing against the established teams, you know, physic the physicality of AFL football is is that you know the boys that have only that are novices mm. are skinny little rakes, uh, and the ones that have been in the system for a while are well built up. Now, in our football, uh, physical size isn't as important as it is in some of the other sports. Uh, but nevertheless, you still there are some young players that do need time to adjust to the pace, to the physicality, whatever it may be. And the, the, the coach at that given time is the person that is ultimately uh, the decider whether or not um, uh, that player can, can, can do the job. And, you know, a, a coach's job is, is to, to win games. Um, and you know it's 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 so it's a, it's a very very tough one. But you know just just finishing up on the parents, where where the parents need to uh, play their part is, is I think to 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 back off a little bit. Um, just drive them to yeah. training. Drive them to training. <laughs> let the coaches do what they need to do. If at the end of the season, for whatever the reason, the player, most importantly. The player feels that the opportunities at that particular club uh, are not uh, commensurate with his expectations. Then you do something about it. You sit down with the the coach. You sit down with the the CEO. You have a representative and a player agent on your behalf, and you 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 you, you do it the, the the professional way. But you know, too many young Australian players have parents that become way too involved and I've said it before you know uh, sometimes I've had the personal experience of talking to players where I'm trying to talk to the player and trying to understand you know what what it is about football he likes or doesn't like or whatever it might be and the parents are doing all the talking and a couple of times I've actually had to say to the parents look please it's not about you it's about the player can Mm. I please talk to the player so it is an issue but you know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and blame the parents for everything. You know, parents, uh, in their mind, they think they're doing the right thing. Um, my only advice to parents would be to let the let the boy or girl do the business on the park. Once they get to a certain age, 16, 17, where they, they, they're close to uh, professional football, engage the services uh, of, a, of a, a licensed agent um, and, and let, and let uh, the business... Uh, take its course. Don't interfere. Lou, um, the January transfer window is now open in the A-League. Um, what's, what, what is your view on, on these um, transfers uh, between... A- well, we don't have them between A-League clubs. Um, you know, should they, should they come in? Well, look, I think, I think we, we, it has to. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're seeing at the moment is some clubs that have a propensity to... Um, stick with the same 11 or 12 players week in, week out and other clubs that are a bit more adventurous uh, that want to uh, give um, players of different ages and backgrounds the opportunity. So if, if, if you've got a situation where a young boy might be at an A-League club and is, is, is stuck and another club wants to take that player and give that player the opportunity, there should be uh, a commercial vehicle uh, that enables players to move from one club to to another club. It happens all around the world. We're one of the few markets in the world that doesn't allow transfers between A-League clubs. 
And so you have this fast, classical situation at the moment where players are terminating their contract and then a day later appearing at another club. You know, it, it's... it's well, we had. Would you, would you like to? Would you like that to be alone? I mean, as, as, as Tony so rightly put it, we we had uh, the Melbourne City can very conveniently terminate Marcelo Karuska, and the very next afternoon he was signed by the Western Sydney Wanderers. Well, of course, it should be able to loan or, or an outright transfer. I mean, you, you, I think what the situation we have at the moment is actually uh, it's, it's offensive to fans. It's offensive to sponsors and people around football clubs who who can see right through the farcical situation that you've just outlined at the moment, where players are uh, are being terminated and then the next day, you know, being signed by another club. Um, so why have we allowed it to happen? Well, I, think I think it's a PFA issue. Um, yeah. It is a PFA. They don't like. Uh, I, I think they, their view is if you're going to spend money on transfers, it should go to the players. Um, we can pay them more. It means that the clubs can afford it. So I think that's something we should ask uh, John DeLuitza, who's the CEO of the PFA, to, uh, to probably explain. But it's something I know the media have been after it for a while. I know clubs wouldn't mind it. Uh, it's being in a controlled environment. Um, but I think it's I think the fans are clamouring for it, yeah. are they not? They more are. and more, more and more fans are they saying, are. "Come on, let's see it, and let's get this well, league happens, up and running." It happens globally. I mean, you saw what happened with um, you know Liverpool and Barcelona continue. You know the, the transfer fee, etc. And um, I'm still recovering from Neymar yeah. going from Barcelona to Paris Saint Germain. So forget about Philippe. Yeah. It was only 142 million pounds. Yeah, no. So yeah, I, I agree, Lou. It, it, it should be a thing. We were ch- having a chat with um, with George uh, off. Uh, off mic before Lou um, contracts for players um, you know George made the distinction that a lot of players are up which every year they're up um, and I know from a club point of view being there that you know a lot of clubs offer just one or, or maximum two year deals and you know if you've got a young kid you probably want to give him a one year if he flies well then you have to probably suffer and, and pay him a lot more in the second year on the other side of the fence, you, when you're acting for the players, um, how do you find it? Do you find you, you, you're pushing for you know more than one-year deals, maybe two, three-year deals? And, and how you've been dealing with, with clubs who are saying, no, we only want to give them a, a sort of a one-year one um, option? Well, I mean, I think uh, the the, uh, the answer there is, is that you've got to have all situations covered. Um, if I put my agent's hat on, um, <laughs> if it's a good deal, I say to a player, the longer the deal, if it's lucrative, uh, it gives you security of tenure. So, for instance, if you're an 18, 19-year-old and you've had a good season and someone has seen some value in you and thinks, well, I'd like to secure you for three years and I'm prepared to pay you good money in the in the interim, I think it's only fair uh, that all parties uh, are, are happy. So as the representative of the player, if, if a club is offering a player that I look after good money for a young person, uh, and more importantly, a, a, a good environment, professional setup, great training, uh, great um, uh, you know, uh, medical uh, facilities, uh, a, a proven coaching structure, a track record that uh, um, uh, there are clubs there that uh, are great at launching careers, um, if it's one of my players, I'll say, well, you know, it's great money, take it. It gives you security. On the other hand, if if the money is poor, um, 
and they want a long-term contract, I'd be advising against it. I'd be saying, well, you know, if 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 the club says, in all honesty, and, and look, a lot of the times, because of the pressures of the salary cap, you know, you've got 23, 22 players that fit into a finite uh, cap. And so uh, a club turns around and says, look, you know, your, your lad's come from nowhere. He was sort of a youth team player last year. And, you know, we've only got... X amount of money left in our cap and we, we really value him. We want to put him on a full-time contract and we're prepared to offer you uh, the minimum, um, but that's all we've got. Well, my attitude, would, my advice to the, to, the, to the young lad would be, okay, well, that's a great thing that you've been offered a professional contract. It's great that you're part of the, uh, the roster, you know, the, you're, you're part of the senior setup. Uh, the money isn't great. Just take the one-year deal you make sure you work really hard, make, make the club come back to us and say, uh, we've seen enough to want to take you um, and, and keep you for a longer period of time. And now we've made room in the cap and next year we're prepared to give you a two-year deal at double the money. Well, you, that, that's, that's how you look at it. You, you take each on their own merit. But ultimately, it's up to the player to continue to grow and to, con- to continue uh, to show that they are... A talent that they are professional, that they are willing to learn, they willing to work hard um, on and off the field, do whatever the club uh, requires you to do within the bounds of the contract, and do it well. And uh, you make sure you've got to put no, no doubt in their mind that they need to keep you. And as such, the onus is on them to then go out and find the money. Uh, for next year to make sure that they keep you. Uh, uh, Lou, are there any no-go zones? And by that I mean, for example, say you've got a tremendous young talent uh, and he wants to go to a particular club and you know the stability of that club is very much in question. There's been a bit of backfighting uh, and you know that uh, the uh, the current president may not be there in three months, let alone at the end of the year. Uh, would you still be encouraged to go and talk or would you say... Uh, uh, let me move the child, let me move the player to another club. Well, it, it's, it's, George, it's all up to the market forces. If you've got more than one club, if you've got, if you've got a choice, yep, then yep. the choice is you go to the best. Yes, but some if of the players have a fixation about, you know, maybe they're from Croatian background, they're told that they've got to go to, uh, to, to Belgrade or they've got to go to Partizan or they've got to go to, uh, to uh, Dinamo Zagreb. You know what I'm talking about. There well, are a great funny. many clubs. I know, I know some young kids have said uh, Panathinaikos, uh, not Olympiakos, or Olympiakos, not Panathinaikos. And you can see them, they've been driven. It's, it's etched in their psyche. If I'm going to go over there, I want to play for that club. And you know, as an agent, that that's not the go zone that right now that you need to send them to. Well, I can only talk from experience, George. First yep. of all, if we're talking at, if we're talking within the A League yep. as a domestic transfer, um, it's very rare that you could sit down and actually say that there's one club you shouldn't go to. I don't <laughs> think any of the ten existing A League clubs um, uh, are clubs that are no go zones. They're, but it's important though the agent has to highlight certain. Aspects, for instance, um, you know, the, the, I feel sorry for clubs like Perth Glory and Wellington Phoenix, who have these massive distances to travel every second week. That does play. Uh, that take it takes a toll. Um, I've, I was talking to Peter Philopoulos at uh, the Glory only on the weekend, and his particular club have played, have travelled some ridiculous, like forty thousand kilometres, in the first seven weeks of the A League because. 
uh, it's not a, a home and away scenario. They've actually had to play three or four games away and then one at home. So it's a very lopsided draw. And uh, that takes its toll. And, you know, it's not, I'm not suggesting that's the reason they are where they are on the league ladder. But the, it does take its toll. And, and as an agent, it's incumbent upon us to to tell our players, well, look, you've got... If you're going to leave Melbourne and you're going to go and play for Perth Glory, this is what comes with it. And vice versa. You know, you might get some boys who love the idea of being in a city like Perth and might not feel comfortable in a city like Melbourne. But when we start to talk about international transfers, I'll I'll tell you from first-hand experience. If I speak to an Australian boy of Greek extraction, my advice to him is categorically do not go to Greece because (laughs) the the minute they find out you're an Australian of, uh, of, of Greek extraction, they almost want you to play for that club for nothing because they feel as if they're doing you a favour. And I've done the same thing with Italian boys going to Italian clubs and, and uh, so on and so forth, or Croatian boys going to Croatian clubs. I think that, you know, going to a club just because it's a club that, uh, that, that comes from your parents' heritage, that's not a sound enough reason on its own to want to go and play there. So I think, and this is where the role of an agent, a professional agent, and, you know, there are many... Uh, agents and intermediaries, as we're called now, who um, don't, that are not really full-time. There are many there that do this as a, a side um, part of their overall um, uh, income, and they're the ones I'd be very weary of. They don't have the experience. They haven't been on enough planes and enough visits to enough clubs to, uh, to look at uh, uh, at, at, at the training facilities to look at where young players are housed and you know there are many good agents um, here in Australia that spend a heck of a lot of time travelling the world uh, to ensure that they know people at clubs so when they do send a young boy from Australia they know exactly where that boy is going to and what the conditions that that player is going to be housed in and the reputation of that club um I had a, a little saying. I've got three sons, and many times I would say to players that, or players' parents that I had uh, something to do with their careers, I wouldn't send your son to that club if I wouldn't send my own kids. So if it's not good enough for my kids, it's not good enough for your kids. And that's just a personal um, situation that I've um, lived by. Um, but sometimes, and, and this is where agents do get a bad reputation. Uh, just to get a deal done. Um, in the past, there have been many deals done where players have been sent to places um, that have not really been the right choice or the right environment for that player to, to prosper. So, look, George, it's a real bag of uh, lollies. There, you've got to <laughs> you've got to really understand the market. You've got to understand also the culture of where we're coming from. There have been situations I've faced where. Um, I wouldn't send certain players, Australian players, to certain markets because I, I don't think that culturally it's a good fit. Um, so it's no point in us just doing a deal to make a quick buck and to sign the player up for a quick dollar and then find that after a month uh, that player is not comfortable and wants to come home. That that uh, all that does is it uh, damages our reputation as a country that uh, in international football it certainly doesn't do the agents uh, reputation any good it doesn't do the players career any good 
So, um, and, you know, the player's career should be paramount, but it's no point in sending a young kid of Australian extraction uh, to a place that don't speak any English, that don't have the right sort of foods or selection of foods, uh, that, uh, look, there are many reasons why you wouldn't send certain players to certain um, uh, certain markets. Uh, all, I, all I can say, Lou, is you've given us plenty to think about and you've given some of the parents, I dare say, and some of the young players more than enough information to feed them for their next set of questions. We've been listening and uh, talking to Lou Sticker from Tribal Sports Management, giving us an insight into some of the travails, some of the challenges uh, that face uh, our young footballers, male or female, uh, in this uh, ever-emerging and ever-changing world of football. Well, um, three years ago, they had a ranking of the top 50 people that uh, influenced the A-League, and uh, Mr Sticker was ranked right up there, number seven, uh, football agent extraordinaire they call them so uh <laughs> we've, well, we've been that. most fortunate to have loose sticker join us thank you for yeah. joining us on fnr and uh, talking as they say talking shop on uh, the football bosses thank you lou thanks george and tony thank you thanks here comes the money here we go money talk brought to you by dkp and co chartered accountants and aspire planning group football bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. What did you make of that, Tony? We, we've covered quite a deal of ground. We caught up with the Premiership coach. Uh, we asked him <laughs> whether, whether the Socceroos uh, need him. Mm. Um, and uh, he gave us an insight into um, what they should be looking for when it comes to anointing the next man to lead Australia, especially to Russia. And then we caught up with, uh, as you beautifully uh, positioned him, uh, the man who knows all about transfers and loans, the great uh, Lou Sticker. Are you an extraordinary? Yeah, look, uh, we are. Agent provocateur, maybe too. Great, um, great uh, discussion with with Graham, who's, um, you know, he admitted he he turned himself around a couple of years ago after that uh, season, and we saw what Sydney did last year, and we can see what they're doing this year. And... um, a lot starts from the top. And, well, I can um, remember. I can remember Graham uh, four or five years ago, and I've watched the evolution. And you, and he clearly has changed. And he said he took stock. There were things about himself that he didn't like, uh, and that was that was most insightful. Yeah, no, great. Uh, we had you know really two guests and. Um Another show done. I look forward to it. Okay. Uh, all the very best. Uh, stay with us because next week you've got some more surprises. Next, next week it'll be Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata, and the program's called The Football Bosses. And the only place you can find it is on FNR.